Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I'm John Martin. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. John, <laughs> we are in New England. Uh, yes, we are. Uh, yeah. Connecticut. Connecticut at the moment. Connecticut. Yes, mm-hmm. we are. Uh, we are high class in Connecticut. We are uh, 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 to industry and all that good stuff, you know. <laughs> Some uh, fat cats in, in Connecticut. John, you got to help me out here. I'm just talking. You got to yeah, jump just, on in whenever I'm you want to. I'm just letting you embarrass yourself like you do weekly. <laughs> I, I do say. Uh, yeah, we are. We're uh, we're up here traveling together, uh, visiting with some friends that we have uh, we've met by God's uh, sovereignty and. Uh, Looking at their church plant, the work that they're doing here, and so we're we're excited about the time that we've already had and the time that we've got before us. Mm-hmm. So uh, today we have uh, with us a, a church planter and uh, Hal Haller, and uh, we're in his home with uh, he and his wife right now. And uh, Hal is a church planting director for the Baptist Convention of New York, and has, there you go, I did it for the last five years, and uh, previously. Been with Jacksonville Baptist Convention uh, as a mission strategist and also a catalytic church. I like that title. Catalytic. That's probably the That's coolest right. title you've had. Uh, you know, one time in high school, I had uh, trouble with my catalytic converter, <laughs> uh, but I didn't put it on my resume. So, <laughs> Catalytic church planter uh, in the Miami area. So uh, welcome, Hal. Thank you. Um, actually, I was with Alan Hirsch the other day. Yeah. And he said to me that I was not a Catholic church planner. Okay. That I was a serial church planner. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I didn't know how to feel about that title that he gave me. But yeah, yeah. yeah so. I, would, I would take that as a compliment. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's the idea of just, you know, going into a place, raising up a church, mm-hmm. and yeah. then going off, do it again, That's do right. it again, raise up leadership. Yeah. I know it's not the typical way that churches are planted. But it's certainly the way that God's wired me and made me. Yeah. So yeah, and and speaking of that's what that will that's what God has you doing right now, like right yeah, in this moment right in Stanford, mm-hmm. Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey uh, to where you are today uh, with Living Hope Church, yeah. and uh, give us some insight into that. Yeah, it's it's actually been a very exciting journey. I've been working five years for the. Baptist Convention of New York in cooperation with the North American Mission Board. And we've seen really a lot of um, phenomenal growth in church planning. Even in the last four years, mm. uh, we were able to plant 165 churches. Wow. Uh, we'll I'll have to wait and see what happens this year, <clears throat> but I know that we'll probably get close to seeing a couple hundred churches planted here in the Northeast. Wow. Um, 60% of those will actually be um, immigrant or international Hmm. church plants, which really reflects the diversity of Mm -hmm. the population, particularly in the New York City area. And that's been extremely gratifying and satisfying working with a team of awesome church planting catalysts who work with the church planters across New York, northern New Jersey, and southwest Connecticut. But in this pursuit and in this job of doing this, I really began to have a sense of wanting to get my hand back in the soil. Yeah, yeah. And... um. Also, not really wanting to lose my sense of relevancy mm. to the work mm-hmm. that God had called me. I, church planning and ministry, as you know, it moves at a lightning pace, <laughs> and you got to, you know, things change. Yeah, right? Not yeah. that necessarily people change, but mm-hmm. environments change, technology changes, all these things. Yeah. And so you can become irrelevant very quickly, especially in the area of church planning mm-hmm. where people are pioneering new, new work right. and new effort. So um, just. Just thinking about that. And then, you know, uh, in a lot of my traveling to New York City, I live in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. 
and I, I would pass by Stanford often. Mm-hmm. And every time I would pass by the city, like something would prick my heart, like something needs to be done there. Like right. God needs to do something. And, but I, I, you know, as a catalog planner, those feelings come in other places. <laughs> sure, you know, sure. That's why you are what you are. It, right? Yeah, you're just like, oh, we got to plant a church there, and <laughs> we got to plant a church there. And yeah, yeah. So long story short, um, uh, this one was a little different. Mm. And um, then I was sitting down with with uh, a guy who said, hey, there's this church. It's about to die. It's in Stanford. Um, I think there could be a few people left over that maybe you could – start a church with. And mm-hmm. that conversation morphed into other conversations. And my wife and I um, started working uh, with a few people. And as we started to do it, God began to reveal to us like, hey, I th- maybe maybe we should start a church in the Stanford area. There's yeah. not a strong gospel presence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in the downtown area of Stanford. There, there are evangelicals, there are Christians, there, there are some churches, but in terms of the percentage of the population, it is, it's yeah. Yeah. low. It's very, very low. <laughs> and uh, one night, this, this is what I want to share, but one night I was, um, um, <clears throat> I woke up at two o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep and tried to go back to sleep, looked at my clock. It was three o'clock and I had slept for an hour. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Maybe I'll pray. And of course, that's what you do when you think you want to go back to sleep. That's you right. pray, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I start praying. And during the, the prayer, uh, I get a picture. And I, in this picture, it's I see people who are physically ill. Hmm. I see people who are dealing with emotional issues and problems. Mm-hmm. I see people with deep-seated spiritual stuff that they're dealing with. And in this picture, I, I feel the desperation and the hopelessness that they mm-hmm. have. And I remember just... As I was praying, I was crying out for for them mm-hmm. that God will give them mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have been talking about First Peter three, where Jesus is our living hope. Right. Yeah. And as I was praying, I kept saying, "Okay, God, like you got to give these people hope. Like mm-hmm. they need the hope of the gospel. Really, they need you." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I I prayed and prayed and prayed, and then I got another picture, and it was of the rich and the affluent. In the Stanford area, you you have a lot of affluent people. Yeah. They um, a lot of the riches really come from New York City because right. mm-hmm. it's close by. Mm-hmm. But um, I I see this picture of them, and they don't seem to have a care in the world. Yeah, but they had the same desperation as mm-hmm. the picture of That's these right. other people. Mm-hmm. And I could see that everything they were striving and working towards was leaning towards emptiness and purposelessness. Yeah, and I could feel their desperation and and their lack of hope. And so I cried out to the living hope that, mm-hmm. that Jesus would do something. It would not be too much longer before my wife and I having a conversation saying, well, maybe we should be the ones who mm-hmm. should do something about this. Maybe we should provide the living hope to yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome that God is taking you on a journey to help others plant and uh, he just can't get the planning out of you, yeah. right? <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, he's called you back uh, to plant again, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's exciting to see and hear your heart, and also of 
of those that are in your church that are committed to doing it as well. And, you know, church planting is something I think that, that we think is new, right? <laughs> something that, uh, that we think has just begun. Right. But the truth is, is that, uh, that we've always been church planters. That's right. right? We've mm-hmm. always seen where there's a population of people that needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we've picked up and put churches in those places right. and put play and put people in those yep. places to help mm-hmm. meet that need. Uh, one of the segments that we do every week is called Dead Man Talking, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna move now. Ryan's gonna read us uh, something from 1853. Is that right, Ryan? Uh, no, oh. uh, Stolly, John. Uh, no, it's 1835. 1835. Yeah. I just had two numbers mixed up. As we talk about church planning, uh, this is a, a uh, an emphasis that we've been uh, focusing on the past uh, few years, and so we are mm-hmm. tempted to think if it's a newer thing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love this uh, from a from a book in 18. 35, uh, there were two pastors, um, Francis Augustus Cox and James Hobby. Uh, they sailed from Liverpool to New York uh, because they heard that Baptist and New England were doing something weird. Um, and that weird thing was is they were they were church planting. They were separating by peaceable division. Yeah, it's amazing. They thought it was weird that Baptists right. weren't getting that Baptists right. were, were getting along. Yeah, there was peace among uh, Baptists. There was peace among them, <laughs> and then not only that, they were separating. They were dividing from one another. They were dividing and and conquering essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, when a church got to a certain uh, uh, point of health, they would take a group of those people and place them in a nearby community that did not have a vibrant church yeah. and begin a new church mm-hmm. and this was normal mm-hmm. uh, and so i love um this this uh the story of these these uh, two pastors talking about the amicable separation and they really go uh, to great um uh, to great lengths to tell that it was a friendly withdrawment and a voluntary yeah. d- divide you know they really want to emphasize that um it was friendly they were dividing and they were doing these things um they were doing these things to, to, to see the gospel go forth. Uh, and they say, they say exactly why they were doing it. They say the church in Baldwin place, it seems were impressed with the conviction that it was not right for them to sit down at their ease and in contentment while the world was full of ungodliness. And while sinners by the thousand were perishing in sin and in their very midst. Mm. And here we mm. fast forward from 1835 to 2018, and we have churches that are wanting to see the gospel go forth in, in New England. Yeah. Uh, and so we are, we are excited to, uh, to really uh, break that down with you, Hal, and, and discuss some of these things. Yeah, so those partners that uh, that they're speaking of there in 1835, it still translates today. I mm-hmm. mean, you're here uh, in yep. Stamford and, uh, we're in Mississippi and, uh, but we still need each other, right? We need, mm-hmm. we need people like Hal and Sharon Haller in Stamford, Connecticut, reaching those that need the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while we're in Mississippi, uh, we can connect to people like you and, uh, and we can be partners for the sake of the gospel. We can send you out, right? Yes. And, uh, and, and let you do a work here with our support and our prayers. You know, there's, a, we talk a lot about partnerships, when we talk about church planning and mission efforts uh, all around the world, when you think about church partners or partner churches with you inside of uh, this work here, what do you? What would you say? This is what makes a good partnership. Th- this is what makes a good partnership church for us in in Stamford, Connecticut. Well, I I think about um, the Philippian church. I think you know if I could just kind of go back for a second mm-hmm. is. You know, Paul talks about the Philippian church and how they sent aid to him time and time again. Mm. Um, that partnering church really cared about his needs. They mm. were behind the work that he was doing. He yeah. was a catalytic missionary. Yeah. Right. He was raising up and starting churches. 
and uh, one of his churches, um, which I, I love the book of, of Philippians because it's really almost the only letter he writes that's void of conflict and <laughs> yeah, that's and spiritual right. issues and things. It's, it's really an uplifting, positive book. And he really brags on the church there for the way that they cared about him and mm. the work that he was doing. And even this morning when I spoke, I talked about Macedonian churches who mm -hmm. time and time again gave beyond their yeah, ability right. to give to the work. Mm -hmm. And this is what we find in partnership. It's, it's, uh, it's one church saying to another church, hey, you're in this area. This area needs the gospel. We know that probably the people, the resources, other things are not there. We got you. Yeah. We're going to help you in any way that we can. We even see this with Paul. Like he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you or right. I'm sending mm -hmm. Titus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They saw like this, um, this kind of leadership where um, they were willing to, to share their talent yeah. and their resources and whatever it would take so that the gospel could take root mm -hmm. in right. the area. So when I, th I think of partnership, I don't necessarily put a dollar sign by it or right. what are the certain activities is, is if you have a church that has a heart for seeing the gospel planted in an area, I think the first thing is that you say, all right, God, is this where you want us to be? Mm -hmm. And if this is where you want us to be and this is who you want us to help, then we will do whatever it takes to yeah. help them. And you may have uh, limited resources. You may have uh, limited things you can bring to the table. It doesn't matter. Right. Because God doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, That's right. And the beauty of that kind of relationship, really special things can take place. Yeah, yeah. And you see, like, in these partnerships, you have those who send, mm -hmm. and you have those who are the sent. Right. Who have been called to that missionary endeavor. And there are references over and over again from Paul of mm -hmm. these different churches who are saying, hey, we got you. Mm -hmm. yeah, We're behind yeah, you. Yeah. We're going to help you. And yeah, there were times when he had to make tents, mm -hmm. <laughs> but there is a good chunk of his time that was underwritten by the church. Yeah. Pra yeah. Pragmatic ways or there, the, the, I think the first and foremost thing a church should do in a good partnership is to pray. Right. 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 Like prayer is when God begins to open the doors. Yeah. When you have such a high lostness factor, like we're at mm -hmm. here in Connecticut, I know that unless God's spirit moves throughout the area, all of our effort will be in vain. That's right, mm. yeah. Mm. So I need to pray. The people I'm reaching, they need to pray. It needs to be front and center. But the churches that are partnering with, they need to pray diligently as well. Yeah. You're not limited by location when it comes to prayer. Yeah, that's right. right. right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. You, you have yeah. to spend $1. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And you could be a powerful advocate and partner mm. yeah. in your yeah. praying. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that you can do is is you can provide mm -hmm. for for that church and and provision can come in different ways. It can come through, um, hey, we have a group of people in our church and they have certain skills, right? You know, whether it's helping them get into a location to meet at, and you have carpenter skill, or we have a team that can go and we can pray over this mm -hmm. community, right? Or we have a team and we could go out and we could survey people, we could talk to people. So you could send a team that right. could do a variety of things that will help further the work that mm -hmm. needs to be done. Or or you actually can send money. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. actually does pay bills. You just want to go ahead and tell right. how much you, know? you yeah. need so you yeah, can go ahead and write. At least a million dollars. Your address. Right. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> If we you could can, write it to me now, that'd be great. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and you know what? We'll only keep 20%. That's right. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I, I love I love this this new emphasis on partnership. You know, I, I grew up in, a, in an evangelical Southern Baptist church, and our mission trips each year were to a different location. Yeah, uh, we didn't have partnerships. Yeah, uh, our, our missionaries we met for a week and and uh, we connected, and then we never saw them again. Mm-hmm. But I think there's this growing movement to hey, let's actually partner with a church. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's get our hands dirty and invest in somebody for five years, yep. for mm-hmm. ten years, yep. mm-hmm. uh, and I love the, the your emphasis on prayer. You know that that reminds us that we're not we're not battling against flesh and blood. Uh, you know there there are some some deep seated spiritual issues yes. here, yeah. um, and they can only be exercised by prayer. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and to be able to pray far, how right? Howler. Yeah, yeah. To be able to be able to to pray for the men and women that we have met mm-hmm. this week, you know, particularly the leadership of this mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. To be able to pray for them by name. That's right. You know, I know God knows their name. I get that. But I think that builds a, a relationship mm-hmm. among the the sending church mm-hmm. as well as the planting church. Right. That uh, that is so powerful and can and can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. I want I want to share one story in one of the churches I I planted. Uh, there was a guy that we had served on staff together in another church at plant. I went to go plant a church near Daytona. He went to go plant a church in Lakeland, Florida. And he said, hey, I'm going to be starting my church before you. I want you to come mm-hmm. and uh, just share with the group on our launch day. He had um, he was meeting in a, a car dealership <laughs> in their showroom. <laughs> no way. And for their launch day, they maybe had 30 people yeah. that were there. And uh, he, they did the service. And at the end of the service, he said, I want you to know that the Howlers who are here, they've been friends of ours, and we're going to partner with them to mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do is is everything that's taken in for our first Sunday, everything, we're going to give to the Howlers. Wow. wow. And I looked at my wife. She's looking at me like, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's broke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He he can't rub two nickels together, mm-hmm. and I'm like shaking my head, and I know it's probably not appropriate to do, but I'm like, <laughs> no, no, yeah. and no, he's he affirmative, shaking his head. This is what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. They collected that offering. They gave us every penny of it. Mm-hmm. We drove out of that car dealership, and the tears started coming on my eyes and insurance too. It was an hour and forty five minutes. I, I almost cried the whole way. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was so moving and so touching. It wasn't just a gift. Mm-hmm. It was everything that they had. Right, yeah. Wow. And to me, that's like, I'm not saying that's the way you do it. You mm-hmm. have to yeah. do it. Yeah. But the level of love that came mm-hmm. yeah. with that kind of financial provision mm-hmm. uh, was so moving and touching to us. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I once heard a sermon where someone said something about the showing the genuineness of your faith uh, deals with your giving, right? <laughs> yes. Where yeah. was that? Yeah. Some wise man. Some wise man Brilliant said that. Brilliant maybe, maybe this Sunday morning... <laughs> Uh, at Living Hope Church is where I heard that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh... no, but that's that's exactly right. And and you know, we 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 met last night with with Hal and some of the the leadership in his church. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, it's so fun to get uh, these people from two uh, opposite ends of the country and get yeah. them together in one room, and then to begin to speak languages. Uh, that it's English, but we're not really understanding each other because <laughs> we don't have context. You know, to tell them about the South and have them tell us about the the Northeast. And hey, there was a guy there from California that did not know who Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, was. Yeah, that's a not even Hank Williams Jr. Hank Williams, anybody, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, but we you know we had a great time with them and 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 we just talking about this idea of of 
sacrificial giving yeah. uh, to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we yeah. like to focus on our kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately we know we can do more together. And yeah. that, that means that John and I can do more together uh, with our churches in the same county, and we yeah. can do more together with a church on another end of the, uh, of the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, you know church planting has, even though it's been around for a long time, for a long time, eighteen thirty-five yeah, at least. Uh, yeah, I think I think Paul planted <laughs> churches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think we just heard that. That's right. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sure also there are some of us that still don't really understand what church planting is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? We still we still don't have our head wrapped around what it means to church to plant a church. And so, you know, if you could kind of give a definition. Right. Wow. So, you know, what, what is... Webster's what is, Dictionary defines... Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Wikipedia, yeah. I'm sure, is a better definition. Well, you better pray for me because um, <laughs> I, I don't have a clear definition. Yeah. Because there's so many definitions out there as to what constitutes a new church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll go back to the most basic definition uh, that Jesus gave, where two or more <laughs> gathered. Um, yeah. When two or more gathered together in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. to worship him and to, to praise him church can be there yeah and so it doesn't have to be defined by a building a time or place right. but really two people who love jesus and follow him and i understand sometimes people use very loose definitions mm-hmm. and it, it does it really qualify as a bona fide mm-hmm. church and, mm-hmm. but um i think sometimes we we want to quantify it um so tightly that um we start coming up with a very rigid construct of what mm-hmm. the church is I think if you look at Acts 2, mm-hmm. where I think church was taking place, mm-hmm. they were eating together, they were praying together, mm-hmm. yeah, right? They were worshiping, they were listening to apostles' teaching, yeah. Uh, they they were giving stuff away to each other. Mm-hmm. This is very, I mean, there was a sense of community that was there that bonded together. Yeah, Jesus was at the core, but but there was a sense of obligation. That's why nobody had need because they cared for each other. Right, right. right. So when I look at the expressions of that, I'd say, "Yep, that looks like a church to me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so just getting that time where believers can come together, whatever that looks like, and whatever facility that yep. looks mm-hmm. like, yep. sharing the gospel with people and getting them to come and and be that Acts chapter two family mm-hmm. or yes. network. Uh, of believers together is what is what your goal is and you know you've said it and um, the definition is hard to come up with and so it's a challenge and so church planting is a challenge as well yeah it is um i I would say this i I want acts 1a you will be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria to the outer ends of the earth most people are thinking about like a church, but mm-hmm. what what is the basis of starting something new? Mm. The basis of it is to be his witness. Yeah, to be his witness wherever you go, and and for Jesus, he had defined geographies mm-hmm. as to where that witness should be. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when that witness was to take place, how groups naturally formed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in, in the idea of church planting, it's it it's this idea of we need to be Christ's witness. Yeah. And we need to share with people uh, who don't know Jesus the hope that they can find in him. Mm-hmm. And if enough people actually receive that hope, perhaps a community, a group of people will form mm-hmm. that can end up being the expression of the church. Mm. Um, and it, it may be different kinds of people. It may be in different kinds of places. It mm-hmm. may have a different um, sense of worship and having the opportunity to be in different places of the world, 
the world, you can see those different expressions. And really the essence behind church planning is not to create another entity to be in competition with another entity, which is what a lot of people think about church planting. Uh, that's why he had to define it as a peaceable division. It's right. like, because it didn't make sense <laughs> that's to right, people. It makes sense. That's right. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, no, this isn't really about dividing or splitting churches. Yeah. This is about sending people right. out right. so that they can be his witness mm-hmm. in more places, mm-hmm. saturating more places and more people with the mm-hmm. gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. That should be the underlying ethos. But there are examples, and this mm-hmm. is what clouds the definition or the idea or the... The presumption or even support of church planning is is there are some people who rightly divide a church. I don't mean rightly in the sense that it was it was the right thing <laughs> right, to do, right, yeah. but they divide a church. Yeah. They start their own thing and they call it a church plant, but really it's a church split. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was done out of anger mm-hmm. or right. dissension when really what we're talking about, the best church planning is those who have an urgency for getting the message out who have a burden for mm-hmm. a group of people who want to see people come to know the Je- know Jesus and create a community that will do the same thing mm-hmm. in broader yeah. places and perhaps even multiply themselves from there. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's fantastic. I, I love the stories of churches who have continued to multiply and continue to multiply and continue to multiply. Um, you know, we, we have a mission engagement in Montana and there's a church, uh, in this, in one of the cities in Kalispell, Montana, uh, and uh, I recently found a, a book in a thrift store. Um, surprise! On, I know, right? Surprise! <laughs> on the history of Montana Southern Baptist, and it oh, came with terrible. a church planting family tree. Oh, really? And so you have the churches that planted the churches that planted the churches, and you can see this map of twenty-seven something churches that this one church had planted, yeah. and then those uh, churches had planted other churches. And, mm-hmm. and isn't that the idea? Yeah. Um, but you know, that's so difficult for us. It you know, is. Just, just recently, our church, some of our leadership went through a, a survey process of church health. There's mm-hmm. a church health survey. And, uh, one of the questions that was in that church health survey was, uh, are there enough churches in your community? That was one of the questions on that church survey. Are there are enough churches in our community? And it was agree or mm-hmm. disagree. Yeah. And, uh, and the majority, the great majority of our town put agree because we look around and there is a church on every corner. That's right. Literally. Yeah. I mean, within an eye shot, you can see three in mm-hmm. our little small town, right? But in areas like, like Connecticut and New York, uh, there is no evangelical presence in some of those places. And so while we may not need to send uh, another church plant across the road, across Main Street in Union, there are areas like Connecticut where we need to send yeah. people from Union right, yeah. to, to businessmen yep. from Union to That's live right. their life in Connecticut, yeah. uh-huh. businessmen from Union yep. to live in Manhattan or wherever mm-hmm. it may be. Right. That, I think, is the great struggle for us in the South, Yeah, is is convincing ourselves that there there are places in America that have no gospel influence. Yeah, I, honestly, in the South, it's hard for us to grasp. It's hard for us to grasp that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, I think as pastors, Ryan and I, in the Deep South, we need to be keeping this in front of our people. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can you can do a great work for a church planter, not by going and being a church planter in Connecticut, but picking up 
and moving to Connecticut and being a member of his church, mm. right? Mm-hmm. That's right. A member that a he wants group. to see coming. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Be Just that member that ones. your pastor wants to see coming. But yes. you're talking about that sending agency. Yes. You know, it's, it's J.D. Greer's gaining by losing thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose my best members. That's right. Right? And so, uh, but sometimes that's what God's calling us to do. Right. Send our best to the field. Mm-hmm. I remember... Uh, when I was planning the first church, this was in 1996, a person came up to me and said from the church I was serving, why are you starting a church? Mm. Um, couldn't you get another job? Like <laughs> you know, Nobody else would hire you? Couldn't you be a pastor? Or? There's, there's churches out there that, yeah. that need pastors. Yeah. Are you not good enough? Right. And, uh, you can at least be a youth pastor. Right. I mean, come on. Right. Anybody uh, can do that. Well, right? Why would you do this? You know? <laughs> It it was like I had just, you know, taken the worst job in the world, but they couldn't see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you see the early church, they always sent their best out. Paul, Timothy, (laughs) Barnabas, Mark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's true. And it's a hard thing to do because you're thinking these people are so indispensable to the work that I'm doing, Mm. or they give so much money or Mm. fill in the blank. But really, it's based on fear, not in faith. That's right. Wow. Believing that God will replace mm-hmm. the people that you send out. Mm-hmm. And the strange thing is, is in his economy, you know, he, Jesus says, if you lose your life, you find it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when it comes to giving, when we give it away, he gives us more. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense in the rational world. That's right. But it does make sense in God's economy. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's where we have to learn to trust God. And that's the hardest thing to do, to give it away. Mm-hmm. But so much more comes back if, if you're willing to do it. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, my favorite thing so far on this trip, uh, just talking to, to Hal and, and, and observing his church, is, is to hear the stories already of the fruit that God has given you. Yeah. Um, and and y'all, y'all, you've been here uh, working with this church now for, for how many years? Um, for just over a year. Just over a year, mm-hmm. right? And and then to see God already giving you early returns, you know, the first fruit, mm-hmm. um, and th- just just to see lives transformed, and then the promise of a greater harvest. Yes. And so that's what we're praying for, and yeah. um, uh, we, we're going to start wrapping up the podcast. And so, um, uh, Hal, just do you have any uh, recommendations? Maybe a good book that would that would point us toward uh, church planning. I, the, the one I love it was written several years ago. Is so you want to start a new church mm-hmm. by Ralph Moore? Mm-hmm. Simple, enjoyable read, mm-hmm. uh, especially for if you're a real church planner. You're not a heady guy. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't read books and books and books and books. <laughs> not that there aren't good ones who do it, but you're tendently always on the fly, very right, active, yeah. Yeah. getting yeah. getting things moving and going. So a book like that was very simple and precise. And and, and Ralph Moore is probably one of the greatest church multipliers uh, right now in North America. Mm. So you take a small book like that that just about anybody could read in common language, I think you'll glean a lot of Mm. of really good multiplicative uh, principles. That's good. Yeah, that is. We'll we'll put a link to Hal's Facebook uh, profile in uh, the show notes and uh, maybe some other contact information too if anyone else wants to bounce any ideas off yeah, of you. Yeah, and you know, we, we've received a couple of views from our podcast from the New York area. Yeah, and, uh, still hey, looking maybe, for maybe, maybe if uh, Maybe if you're in the Bronx or maybe if you're in Buffalo or something like that, uh, give Hal a call. You know, come and, uh, come and see if, if you can get involved in his work yeah, here. Yeah, that's so, absolutely true. Uh, yeah. But we're hoping we're not sending you anybody crazy. <laughs> Actually, 
yeah, we kind of hope we are sending you some Well, if they're listening <laughs> to this podcast, it's pretty likely they that's are. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we all have a cross to bear. That's right. That's yeah. right. And mine is John. What? Uh, <laughs> now, we thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. We thank you, Hal, for being on yep, here for thank us. Thank you. Uh, and like I said, we are praying for the harvest. We're praying that the Lord um, uh, blesses you and your endeavors here in Connecticut and that we see the kingdom um, outpost that you create here turn into uh, something that the Lord is continuing to bless and to multiply and to, and to make his name known here. Thank you um, so much. And so we, once again, we thank you listeners for listening to us. Uh, we appreciate that. We ask you to uh, leave a, a comment or a review on our uh, iTunes page. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, and until uh, next time, keep loving your imperfect church and remember one day she will be perfected in glory.